welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to After the Bell, brought to you by Connects Academy. We are committed to ensuring that schools and their staff are supported with as much training as possible to ensure children in their care are kept safe and are supported. Our guest today is returning Debbie Innes-Turnell. Debbie has been a teacher for 30 years, a lecturer at Birmingham University and an independent safeguarding consultant. So this podcast is about something that you're really passionate about, isn't it, Debbie? Where would you like to start? It is. It's something that I talk to schools about and other organisations all the time about how behaviour is communication. And a lot of schools have now moved towards more relational policies and they enable school staff to adapt to children and young people's behaviour needs in the same way that curriculum, you know, that's been differentiated for years now. So tell us what it is that children and young people are communicating with their behaviour. Well, at a very basic level, children might just be communicating that they're hungry or tired or feeling unloved, you know, those basic needs in the in Maslow's triangle. Um, I read a book last summer that said uh, it was entitled Maslow Before Bloom. And if our basic needs aren't being met, we can't learn. I know you can think that there are other things that are being communicated as well. So uh, it sounds sounds like you need to tell us a bit more about that, Debbie. Well, there's a whole range, you know, if a child's got safeguarding or trauma needs, maybe attachment issues, language needs, a lot of uh, language processing, it goes into communicating how you feel. If you can't communicate how you feel, then your behaviour does. It might be needs as a result of neurodiversity or unmet learning needs. Um, And as Ross Green says in his book, Lost at School, children behave well if they can. If they can't, we need to look at it in terms of what skills does this child not have and how do we teach it? And then, as he says, we can move from challenging behaviour to children with challenges. And that's a very different perspective. It certainly is. And from a school's perspective, that's a lot for the staff to think about, isn't it? It really is. But, you know, we have to think of what it would like being a child or a young person having to manage all that. It's no wonder that they have a meltdown or they flip their lids or, as we more formally describe it, as they might dysregulate. So dysregulate, can you talk a bit more about what what that means then? Well, I go to it in in a bit more detail in the webinar that we've already done about this that people can download and in the Connects course about trauma-informed practice. But essentially, it's when children and young people dysregulate for whatever reason, The prefrontal cortex, the thinking bit of the brain, ceases to be in charge and the limbic system takes over. And that prompts the fight, flight, freeze, flop or form behaviours that you might see in the classroom. And it's the first four of those that often present as being challenging in school. And I think it's 68% of people on the webinar said that of these fights was the most one that they most commonly saw in schools, didn't they? And And we need to have to reframe these behaviours as children who are challenged rather than children who are challenging. Is that correct? Yeah, you've been listening. Exactly (laughs) right. If we view behaviour as something that children or young people need to learn, 
then those and those who have difficulties needing extra support, then we're more likely to help children change their response when they're triggered. And therefore, that means that they're less likely to dysregulate. Seems to make sense. Do you want to talk a bit more about what often happens in schools then, Debbie? Yeah, I was talking to a head teacher about this the other day uh, and she and I were talking about how staff react and, you know, they quite often want a consequence for children who've, yeah, for example, thrown a chair and she often switches it around in that situation and asks what staff would do if she was angry in the staff room and threw a chair. And what do they say to say about that? Well, they usually say they would ask if she was OK, maybe give her a cup of tea, give her a hug. They just generally see if there's something was going on for her, see if she needed to, to go home and have a, a lie down or whatever. And she then reflects that back to them and says about how they would have reacted to a child. And they've often reacted in a way that they've been shouting or demanding a consequence or a sanction. It's really interesting, isn't it? Adults sometimes need to step back and regulate themselves when a, when a child is dysregulated. And that can give them the space to be compassionate to a child in the way they would with an adult. Absolutely. And, and I think it must sort of dampen the, the situation and, and sort of manage the behaviour better. And also mm. the child won't be anticipating that response because they've learned that before previously that they'll get sanctioned if they behave that way so it really is so what do you think schools should do to ensure that children and young people are taught rather than managed well there are a number of strategies that i recommend schools in, explore and ultimately the best way will be different for every school grounded in their culture owned and understood by all the staff but it always starts with relationships, children and young people being understood, known and more importantly, liked by the staff who work with them. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's quite a key thing. So what, what strategies can schools explore then? Well, I think schools need to look at trauma informed practice, shame sensitive practice, attachment aware and restorative approaches to see what best suits. Um, it may be that it's a combination of all of those that schools need to adapt in order to ensure that they are building a supportive behaviour culture where sanctions are seen for what they are. And, and what's that then? <laughs> well, you know, I acknowledge this is the beginning of a very long journey and I know there are some very well known voices who don't agree, but sanctions don't work to change behaviour. Okay. Um, I firmly believe that children and young people need boundaries. But consequences and sanctions are useless in enabling children and young people to learn how to behave in a way that enables them to learn and grow into the well-rounded adults that we all hope that they'll become. I think that's uh, something I certainly would support as well. Is, is there anything else that schools need to do? Well, and this is something special schools in particular do very well. They need to learn, they need to co-regulate with children. Um, and that helps children then learn that to do for themselves. Those of us who are parents do it for our, from our own for our own children from babyhood. Um, but many of the young people and children that we teach have unmet needs or skills mm -hmm. deficits, don't have that regulation from their parents. Once we help them to regulate, once we meet their needs, teach them the skills that they need to behave, then they will be better able to learn and the school community will be better for it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it feels much more sort of productive, doesn't it? Yes. And and listeners can find out more about these on the recorded webinar. So we, we did that last week, didn't we, Debbie? Yes. 
Um, it's a really good place to start. It's a really good place to begin introducing uh, trauma informed practice. Um, and I know that that you uh, have got a course on trauma informed practice. That's a really good place for staff to sort to, to start. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you, Debbie. There's lots of things that we uh, we've discussed here and unpack and people can go and visit the webinar um, that we've packaged up now for you. Um, and that's available online at connects.academy.com. Um, we're also proud to offer a significant suite of safeguarding training and we unpack, unpick with Debbie and also Ella Savile-Boss a number of different safeguarding strategies. Um, and top tips, etc. So we're going to carry on having these conversations in the next few weeks just to make you aware of what's available. We're also proud to be a DfE approved provider of the senior mental health lead training and you can find out again more by visiting connects-academy.com. You can pick up our After the Bell podcasts that are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational. Listen to this on your daily commute, on your treadmill or as your focus for the day. Thank you for listening to us. Mm -hmm.